931 now, 29 before 10. We welcome in Mitch Juricich, who is um, the chairman of Louisiana Oyster Task Force, also newly elected Plaquemines Parish uh, Councilman, <laughs> District 8, is it? Yes, District 8. How you doing, Mitch? Doing fine, Tommy. How about yourself? Uh, I'm well. Good to talk to you. Happy New Year. Um, tell me about, I guess, the state of the oyster industry, and then we'll get to the Mid-Barataria Sediment Diversion Project. Well, the oyster industry, as you know, has been struggling ever since the 2019 event when they opened the Bonnie Carey Spillway. Uh, we're still re- trying to rebound from that. Uh, what's happened with us is uh, we have... You know, we have a shortage of oysters. We've been having to harvest, you know, above and beyond our normal management type of, you know, goals that we try to do. And, you know, with having no public resource available, which is on the public oyster grounds that the state has, you know, we've been really, really, you know, almost this was this year. We finally had a little bit of production, but for the most part, you know, it's been non-existent. Ninety-nine percent of the oysters that are landed in the state come from the private leases, and we're just, you know, we're just struggling to keep ahead, try to keep up with the uh, with the demand, the supply. Is, you know, we're out, we're out. You know, the demand far exceeds the supply. In a way, Mitch, doesn't that kind of go to the the discussion about the Mid-Barataria sediment diversion, which is the Corps had to open the spillway to, to protect the levees, keep the city from flooding, which hurt you guys. And at some point, I guess with the mid barataria sediment diversion, well, I think you question the science or do you tell me about your, your uh, organization? Oh, I totally, I totally question the science. This is, this is, you know, this, 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 this project is, a, is absurd. You know, the damage they're going to cause to the fisheries, the community, the people, you know, people's livelihoods on a maybe. You know, this science is just purely science. Uh, they're projected to build 21 square miles in the next 50 years. But you're going to lose 50 square miles waiting to build this 21 square miles. That doesn't make sense. You know, we can dredge. We could dredge this river, and we can build land tomorrow. We have enough, you know, dredge, dredge material that we need to dredge the river, constantly maintaining you know, for ship traffic. We did the math with the Oyster Task Force. Two and a quarter billion dollars can build 47 square miles in the next five years. Doesn't that seem like the logical solution? Build 47 square miles, then you don't lose the 50 square miles you projected to lose. You know, you can protect that. That's, that's, that's the way to save the coast. And guess what? We, get, we still get to enjoy the bounties of the sea. You know, the recreational fishing, commercial fishermen, everyone can still coexist. This is the most logical answer. And when you talk about the Corps of Engineers, you know, the Corps of Engineers for years has been dumping sediment off the continental shelf, you know, when they maintaining the river, you know, for ship travel. Uh, that's, that should be criminal. We should not be dumping an ounce of sediment off of the continental shelf anymore. We should be beneficially u- utilizing Every ounce of that sediment that comes out of that river, it should be placed, you know, in areas where we can build land and we can continue to move that land around, you know. I mean, when you're talking about, you know, people destroying our livelihoods forever, this is not just a, you know, Bonnie Carey, sure, we come and we go, you know. We'll, we'll come back. We'll rebound, you know. But this is a lifelong, life-ending 
the situation for, for oystermen especially. You know, my son, which I think he lives right down the street from mm-hmm. you, you know, he's going to be done. I mean, his, 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 he's, you know, he's too at his young age, you know, he won't have an oyster industry once this thing starts to flow. I mean, and they say, you know, all, all they keep telling us, well, we'll move you around. You can move. You can go here. You can go there. But they don't understand, Tommy. We are the, we are the teachers. They're the students. We've lived this. We've lived this, and we know. You know, there's no science that they can give me can prove to me that what they're doing is the right thing. All right, let me, let me read you this about dredging. This is from MississippiRiverDelta.org, and it's, the claim is we can dredge our way out of our coastal and land loss. And they say the truth is dredging or pumping sediment to create marshes and barrier islands has long been part of coastal restoration, and it'll continue to be under the state's plans. In fact, 18 dredging projects around Louisiana are slated for construction over just the next year using 89.4 million cubic yards of dredge material to create or nourish nearly 14,000 acres, but it is not enough. Subsidence, more intense hurricanes, and sea level rise pose serious challenges, and without sediment diversions to regularly deliver sand, silts, and clays to our wetlands, our wetlands will continue to disappear at an alarming rate. If there were no action in Plaquemines Parish, 55% of the land's parish's land would cease to exist within 50 years. That's over half the parish simply gone. A five-year plan based on dredging suggested by some opponents of the Midbaratary Sediment Diversion will not remotely keep up with the land loss. That should be unacceptable to anyone who loves Louisiana. And they quote the 2012 CPRA Master Plan. Um, thoughts on that? Yeah, no. I mean, that, they're going to continue to tell you that. But, you know, the truth of the matter is we've had some Barry Island projects that, that you know, in Plaquemines Parish over, you know, in the last 10 years. And we've been through several tropical events, two hurricanes, Zeta and Ida. And these, these, uh, two, these, these Barry Islands look as good today as they've ever looked. You know, they're still intact. They're full of, you know, vegetation. And they're still, they're still you know, as pretty much where they were. Now, when you talk about sea level rise and subsidence and all of this, how can a sediment diversion get ahead of that? You know, as, as it's trying well, but boy, to but how can, how can you, but well, I guess, how can they be so wrong about this? I guess is what I'm asking, Mitch. How can they be so wrong? And look, I understand if somebody was saying, uh, was, was proposing something that would threaten my livelihood in radio, I'd be damn concerned too, especially if my kid was going to go into it. And it's a different thing. And, and thank God my kid's not going to radio, but I, I would be right there with you. But at some point, how, how do you balance the needs of the greater good? I asked somebody directly if what this would do would mean that instead of going, uh, say, five miles out, you had to go 50 miles out. And I also asked if this would put the oysteries back where oyster fisheries back where they were before all the land loss occurred. And they told me, yes. Is that true or not? No, sir. No, sir. We're, we're already at the Gulf of Mexico. We're already there. You know, we, we go from the from the back levees that protect us all the way to the Gulf of Mexico, especially in the Barataria situation. Mid-Barataria area, you know, that, that's Empire, Buras, that's all considered the Barataria estuary. And, uh, you know, we, we're already at the Gulf. I mean, we cannot raise oysters in the Gulf. We've tried. It, it doesn't. There's too but- much movement with the bottom. And, and you know, with, with you know, we're— they need to listen to us and learn from us is what they needed to do. 
and they failed to do so. Why? You, wait, let me take a break. We can, you can expand on that when we come back. Um, I, I just want to know, are you just going by years of experience? You can answer when we come back. And going against everything that the Corps of Engineers suggested and uh, the Coastal Protection Restoration Authority uh, suggested. And you're saying that you know better just because you've been out there and you can forecast what's going to happen. And I would also ask you just honestly, where does the greater good go into this? We're talking to Mitch Jurisic. We'll also talk about what it could mean to the oyster industry and prices, et cetera, when we come back. I'd like to hear from y'all at 504-260-1870. And let me know what you think about this mid-baritaria sediment diversion. 20 till 10, back in a flash, WWL. 9.45, Tommy Tucker talking to Mitch Jurisic, Chairman of Louisiana Oyster Task Force. So somebody's texting in here, Mitch, and saying how, what I asked you basically before the break, how can you be right and, and the CPRA and all of the science and the Corps of Engineers and so forth, how could they all be wrong and you know better? Look, Tommy, I grew up in the bayou mm-hmm. you know we spent every every vacation all summer you know we worked in the bayou my family came i came from a hard-working generational family three uh three generations my, my my grandfather started our family business in 1904 and you know we i didn't play summer ball you know we went straight in the bayou when school let out in may and we didn't go back to you know come back to the mainland until you know, September when school started back up. we come in for church on Sundays and get some supplies but go right back out there. I watched our coast. I watched what happened to it. I watched the oil field come out there and, and dig up and destroy a lot of our wetlands. I've also, but, you know, we, we had to do so because that's where Louisiana's money came from. But also in the 1970s witnessed when we started having our rapid land loss. And it wasn't erosion. It was subsidence. The land was sinking. But we saw that in the 70s. We really took a big hit in, uh, you know, in Plaquemines Parish. We really saw a lot of land in the 70s and 80s disappear. Uh, and, you know, we had to transition our whole oyster growing uh, operation where we transitioned from, you know, the deeper bays and bayous. We started to transition into some of these uh, subsided marshland because, you know, we became intertidal. And we noticed that, you know, we've seen some oysters starting to grow naturally in some of these areas. So, of course, we transitioned from the traditional ways because our deeper bays and bayous started to silt up. So becoming non-existent for oyster production. So we transitioned over to these what used to be land. You know, probably 80% of our oyster leases in my family right now are, are on what used to be once land, which is now four to five feet of water. But they are very productive and very fertile oyster grounds. Even though it's all open water, we still do a mighty fine job of keeping Louisiana number one in oyster production in the, in the country. And and it's just getting tougher and tougher, you know. We but we've we as fishermen and as oyster farmers have been able to transition with the times. I learned everything I learned from my my surroundings. The coast taught me what I know. You know, I didn't learn it from the books. We didn't learn it, you know, from, from anybody telling us other than other than our forefathers explaining a few things. We let nature teach us what we know. And that's where I think our wealth of knowledge comes from is the fact that, you know, growing up and watching all of this evolve around us, 
being able to transition. You know, we as commercial fishermen move with the coast. We, we are able to adapt to subtle changes. And, you know, major changes, no. You know, man, look, it's called Mother Nature for a reason. But when man steps in, he sure can screw things up. That's all I can tell you. You know, so, uh, but, I, somebody texted in here and said, sounds like there are two different motives. One is for coastal restoration. The other is for oyster farming. No, look, oyster farmers, and let me let me explain that. I don't know if you're familiar with our, our daily operations, but we're constantly rebuilding the water bottoms. You can come down to Empire. You can go to Hopedale. You can go to Homa. Anywhere there's a good oyster production, you're going to see mountains of crushed concrete, by, by most oystermen's dock. We're out there putting this out eh, almost daily, on a daily basis. Someone in Empire will be putting uh, coach material for future oyster production. We're raising, constantly building oyster reefs, raising the bottom. What's a better coastal restoration method than that? You know, shoring up our water bottoms, armoring them with, with new oyster reefs. This is not oyster reefs on top of oyster reefs. We're constantly building new reefs. And we do all of that out of our own pocket. We don't ask for money from the federal government. This is not taxpayers' dollars. This is our hard-earned money because we got to try to keep our industry going. And in doing so, we're also protecting the coast. Oystermen have been protectors of the coast since the dawn of time. If you realize, you know, an oil company can't just go anywhere they want to. They got to they got to make a deal with oyster farmers before they can cross these leases. And you know, without us being in the way, they could have really tore some things up because sometimes they. Well, they did the oyster fishermen tell them not to go, or did they just get compensated for it? Well, we get compensated for it. If they don't so compensate they, us, then it winds up in a lawsuit. But so they but did the. They but, but wait, so to, but Mitch, so they did the damage anyway, is what you're saying. You just got compensated for it, right? The damage is much more minimal because they're not allowed to run. They have to get a right-of-way, and they have to stay in that right-of-way. Okay. And that's what helped out. You know, of course, now oil and gas but, you know, in, in, in Louisiana is pretty much gone by the wayside, so we don't have much of those issues anymore. You know, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it was always – we always had a good-faith deal dealing with them, but they were, they were bound to stay in certain right-of-ways. And if you go to some areas where there's no oyster stuff, they'll go anywhere. You know, they, they'll, they'll travel – any kind of route they feel like tearing up, you know, so, water bottoms. Before we stuff. run out of time, are you planning any legal action against the Corps we're, or against Coastal Protection Restoration we're, Authority? We're, we're we're working on that right now. We, we're going to try to do what we have to do to protect our livelihoods, Tommy. I mean, there's other there's other ways that you can build this coast and all survive. And we're not against, you know, freshwater diversions. The oyster, the oyster industry over the years was, was a proponents of uh, freshwater diversions as long as they were ran to control salinities that didn't harm the fisheries the shrimp the oysters and everything you know we wanted to get more of a natural you know control with mimic what the river used to do but not not this massive diversion we're looking at i guess i can you know to, to do the science mardi gras pass on the east side of the river has decimated the most prolific pub- public oyster sea grounds in the world and the private leases over there. Fishermen in Point Lahash, East Point Lahash, now live in poverty. But, it, but has it built? Well, okay, but but has it built any land up? No, no. They'll tell you a, a, a proponents of the diversions will tell you yes, it built land. No, what they won't tell you is the 300 foot wide channel that now goes into the uh, Brenton Sound area where these oyster oysters used to once flourish. 
All it did is scour from the river and placed it on the backside. Sure, there's land on the backside of the Mardi Gras Pass, but they don't tell you it's 300 feet wide and 100 foot deep, what used to be all land. So that's all it do. All it's doing is moving land around. It's not actually building land. All right, Mitch, we got to run. Thank you. I appreciate your time. 9.53. We'll see what Newell Norman's got planned for us when we come back here on WWL.